Welcome to the Church for All Nations podcast, streaming live from Tacoma, Washington. We're so excited you joined us today. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Hey, well, good morning, Church for All Nations. So, so happy that you're here today. My name is Pastor J.F. Wilkerson, and if you're new, if you're here for the first time, man, we just want to welcome you. We hope you feel the love, and we hope you feel the hospitality in this place. We are a church that truly values connection and community. And so when you hear something about Reboot Recovery or our small groups launching, all of that is very intentional because as we grow in numbers as a, as a, as a body, we've got to figure out a way to get smaller too so we can really connect because I truly believe I truly believe that you find your healing in small, intimate gatherings because that's where you open up and that's where you're able to get real with somebody else. And so let me tell you, small groups have changed my wife and I's life, all right? So make sure you get in that. And then, man, I'm so excited for Reboot Recovery and Jesse James, who, by the way, he's going he's gonna to be deploying here to, to Cutter pretty soon. And, and so be praying for his family. And that, that, but this is, this is what this church is all about, like, like connecting with each other. And, and uh, so this is a really cool thing. Hey, last week, uh, my family, my wife and my two kids, we were actually in South Florida. And, and we had a great time visiting my parents there. My parents live in Miami. And uh, we had the awesome opportunity on Sunday. I, I, I preached there at Trinity Church, Miami, like 19 services. It felt like, man, it, it was so it was so much fun. But uh, and then Ashley spoke at the women's conference there on Friday night, and we had a great time. You know, we uh, you know I my, my kids are Northwest kids, okay? Like like their blood is like 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 a milkshake. You know what I mean? Like like they are they are Pacific Northwest kids, and my five year old. Fulton, we get you know the jetway there. We landed in Florida, and he was just like, "Dad, pool, dad, pool, dad, pool, dad, pool." Like, okay, we're gonna okay, relax, son. We hit that that jetway, and that South Florida humidity hit that five year old in the face, and he look, he's holding, my hand. he looks up, he goes, "Dad." It's willy, willy hot here. <laughs> and I said, it's, yeah, welcome to August in Florida, you know. He goes, but I love it, <laughs> you know. So uh, when we were flying home on the plane, I looked at Ashley and I, and I said, let's figure out a way to go to Florida in the wintertime from now on, you know, because I'm, I'm ready to go home to, to, to heaven on earth right now. Are, are you enjoying this month of August here in the Northwest? It's great, right? So we, we, had a, we had a really good time. It's great to be home. Before we get to uh, the talk today, I want to take a minute and just honor Pastor Eric, who, you're already ahead of me, who brought a phenomenal word. I watched it online on Sunday. And so, bro, thank you for your excellence and thank you for your heart for uh, the scriptures and, and communicating the gospel. I just, you know, Sunday afternoon, I'm just getting blown up. Pastor Eric's killing it. You know, I'm like, man, I sure hope I have a job when I get home, you know, <laughs> but love you, bro. Thanks so much. It's great to partner with uh, Pastor Eric. We, we've got such a great team here and, and, and the leadership here uh, is excellent and, and intentional and spirit-filled. That's the, that's the most important part of it. So, Really, really great. Hey, we're continuing our series today entitled Heroes 
of the faith, heroes of the faith. We've been looking at Hebrews chapter 11 and chapter 12, where Paul, who, who many theologians believe is the author of Hebrews, one by one lays out really the, 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 the hall of fame of faith, if you will. And there's a handful of folks on that list. And so we've been kind of going through each one. And so in Hebrews chapter 11, it's outlined, but then Hebrews chapter 12 kind of describes what that list of people are doing right now. And, and, and look at the scripture here in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. This has really been the anchor text of this entire series here. Let, let, let me read it, and then we'll, we'll continue. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that is so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance, meaning run without ceasing. The race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. It's amazing to hear a crowd cheering for you. Would you not, would, would you agree with that? Like, I don't know if you've ever played sports or maybe you were a, you know, a, a concerto on a stage somewhere, but it's pretty cool when there's an audience for your team or whatever you're a part of. I mean, it feels good. It's happened to me a couple of times when I played high school sports. You know, I played football and, and, and I wasn't that great, but I was on the team, right? So I got to be, you know, part of the deal. And I remember playing high school football one year, and I, I never played defense because I was just too afraid to hit somebody. You know what I mean? Like, I just was, I didn't want to tackle. I just wanted to catch the ball and get out of there. You know what I mean? So I, I played wide receiver. And uh, so I never, I never played, really played defense. But I can remember one, one Friday night, and this was, I did my senior year of football, or se senior year of high school in, in the state of Florida. Now, one thing you should know about the state of Florida, there's like, there's like God and then there's like football. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, I mean, it's, it's a religion in the state of Florida. Anyway, so, you know, I'm playing and, you know, there's thousands of people there. And I'm scared to death, but I got through, you know, my part. But I, I'm standing on the sidelines. Now it's our defense who's out there. And I remember it's, they snapped the ball and, you know, the dude takes off. And, and my buddy who was playing cornerback just timed it out. He was running with him and timed it out to where... They threw the past him, and he caught it and just kept running in that direction, meaning, meaning he was on defense, and he was running the wrong way. <laughs> he was running towards the wrong end zone, and, and it's like on the 20-yard like line, so it's like, it's like an 80-yard dash just in the wrong direction, and the crowd is like, <gasps> you know what I mean? And he, so he's just like, he just keeps going all the way, and, he, and like he gets in, he's like, ah, doing all this stuff, you know, and coming around, and everyone's like, no, you know what I mean? And, 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 and he gets back to the huddle, and I'll, or back to the sideline, I'm like, bro, what happened? He goes, man, I, th I thought the crowd was cheering for me to go in that direction, you know? And I got to thinking about that even, even this week, you know, you know, sometimes it's great when you can hear what the entire crowd is yelling and shouting and stuff. But how many know, sometimes the crowd could lead you in the wrong direction. And, and, and if I had it my way, I, I, I really would appreciate it, man, if, if maybe if I got one person to come out of that crowd and tell me exactly what I needed to hear. 
I can tell you, my buddy, if he could have had one person run down from those stands and run alongside him and say, turn around, he, he, he would have really appreciated it, right? And, and, and so that's kind of what we're, we're looking at here in this series, this, this host of saints that are cheering us on from the stands. But what, what if one of them could come out of the stands and just you know, jog alongside us and say, hey, Jeff, let, let, me, let me tell you what I've learned in my life. And so that's really what we've been looking at in this passage uh, of Scripture and in this series. And so we talked about Samson, and some of these are just unlikely people. Here's Samson, the womanizer, the liar is on that list. Noah, the drunk, is on this list. I mean, Eric crushed it with Abraham, but how many you know Abraham had some of his stuff going on? And, and here they are in this hall of fame. And I want to talk about a woman today. All the ladies say, hey. I'm going to talk about there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a woman on this list that's pretty interesting, and, and we're going to look at her life for the next couple of minutes here. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 30 and 31 says this, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. Verse 31, here it is. By faith, the prostitute, say prostitute. Oh, you can't say that in church. Come on. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. I, I want to talk about Rahab, the prostitute who was listed in the hall of fame of faith. How many of you know that prostitutes can be redeemed too? <laughs> right? Aren't you grateful for God's love and his grace? And she even made the hall of fame. Come on now. But her story's wild. She's this prostitute living inside of Jericho in an apartment. You can, you can unpack even the details of the story a little more in Joshua chapter 2. But she, she lives inside of Jericho in an apartment that Scripture said is literally built into the wall itself. It's kind of, kind of interesting if, if any of you archaeology folks out there. And, and Scripture says that Joshua, who's taken over from Moses... Who has, who has led the Israelites out of Egypt. They've been in the wilderness. Now Joshua is, has taken over. They've crossed, they're crossing the Jordan and they're getting ready to, 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 to attack this, um, um, this fortress called Jericho that no one can take out, right? So, so in the process, Joshua sends some spies out to scout the city of Jericho before the battle and the Lord gets this, get this. The Lord directs these spies to a brothel. The, the Lord sends these spies to a prostitute named Rahab. Now, I don't have time to get into the significance of that, especially in that ancient world. It meant so much more. But here they are. They, they, they go to this, this brothel, and, and Scripture lays out that, that she's, had, she's had this unique experience with God and she now realizes that Jehovah Jireh that the God of Israel is the one and the only true God she, she has landed the plane on that she realizes this and she realizes that her city is going is about, is about to be under siege and they're about to be taken over and so so you, so you can read it Rahab goes into negotiation mode and she talks to these spies and, and says, hey, look, we know that your God is the one and only true God. 
and, and you're going to take us out. I just wonder, I love that, if there's, if there's any way, if, if I protected you because word on the streets, they know that you're here and they're going to find you. You're not getting out of this, th- these walls unless I help you out. And, and, she, and she, she more or less says, if I hide you, will you spare myself and my family? And so the spies agree to it. Fascinating here. And, and, and so, so, so here's this prostitute who's in the hall of fame of faith. Now, before you stop and say a prostitute, I, I can't relate to that. How, how can a prostitute coach me at all in life? And, and I, I guess my response to that is you need to understand that most of us do have experience in selling ourselves at some point in our life, in some capacity. Some, you know, every person in this room, at some level, we've given ourselves over to someone or something. Maybe you're here today and you go, "I can actually, I can actually relate to that life of prost- that life of prostitution." But, but, but maybe you're here today and 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 for years you sold yourself to that addiction. You you are a prostitute to that bottle. Maybe you're here today and 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 you sold you sold yourself to a lie that because of who your daddy was, you'll never amount to anything. Maybe you're here today and you bought the lie that because you don't have the education or the experience or, 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 or A, B, and C, you can't have an impact on, for the kingdom of God. And, 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 and you prostituted yourself to a lie. We've all, we've all experienced this in some capacity. And, and it, I just believe if Rahab was here with us today, I believe that she would tell us about her supernatural revelation. In the middle of a brothel in Jericho, the Lord started revealing who he is to her. Joshua chapter two, that's gonna be like our meat today. If you have your Bibles, turn there. Joshua chapter two, verses eight through 11 says this, before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. Verse 10, we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, Our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord, your God, is God in heaven above and on the earth below. So I love that we we can see her heart literally changing right here in this passage of scripture. She, She wasn't just looking to save herself, right? But what what, what happens here is she's now acknowledging and professing who God really is. It's one thing to be saved. It's another thing to now evangelize, if you will. It's another thing to be public about who you are in Jesus. And this is what's happening here. She, 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 she's not just saying, I want to be saved, right? She's acknowledging and understanding who the God of Israel truly is. And, and, and I, just, I believe 
If she was here, she would give us three realizations, supernatural realizations that she has with God. So if you're taking notes, write this first one down. Here it is. Realize that God sees you where you are. I believe the first realization that she would present to me is, JF, realize that God sees you where you are. I mentioned we were in Miami last week, and I was thinking about a friend of mine named Chino, who's a, who's a Cuban from Miami. And I, in fact, I talked to him on the phone last night because his story is out of this world. Incredible story. And I called him because I wanted to get some of the details right because I wanted to share it with everybody today. Uh, he was a part of 1980. Some of you historians can remember the, the Mariel uh, boat lift out of Havana, Cuba, where Fidel Castro was, uh, you know, the communist regime and, and, and the U.S. was accepting thousands of Cubans over a period of about six months or so. And so in boatloads, Cubans were, were, were sailing from Havana, Cuba to Miami. And my friend Chino, just a little baby, was on one of those boats. And he talked to me today. He said, he said, he said, Pastor, you have to understand, I literally was born into a family of criminals. I didn't know my dad. Uh, all of my uncles were gangsters, drug dealers. At five years old, get this, at five years old, my mom began strapping kilos of cocaine on me and flying me all over the country as a drug donkey, five years old. He said at eight years old in Little Havana in the ghetto of Cuba, I didn't ask to join a gang. I was recruited and I was put into a gang. He said from the age of eight to 16, he was kicked out of every public school and institution in Miami-Dade County. At 16, by the age of 16, he had been in and out of juvenile hall 13 times. At 19 years old, he gets in a... In a, in a um, uh, a shootout with another gang, and, and he, hits, he hits a guy, tags him a few times, bam, 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 and thinks he's, he's killed him, and takes off running. He gets picked up, put in jail, and at 19, he stands in front of a judge, and the judge looks down, and he says, son, I want you to understand, you are facing 90 years in prison. And he said, in that moment, they walked me, they walked me away, and they put me in a jail cell, and I'll never forget the moment that that cage closed behind me and the sound it made, and I sat down in that moment. And the realization that I may spend the rest of my life in this box hit me, and the depression just overwhelmed me. And I said, well, then, so what happened? He goes, bro, I can't explain it, but even in that one moment right there, I can't describe to you how in that moment I felt the presence of Jesus. And, and, and I said, you're, you're a, you were a believer? He said, no, no, no. He goes, I, I'd heard about Jesus on the streets and stuff. But in that moment, I couldn't describe it. There was something supernatural help ha happening in my, in my jail cell. I felt God. And, and he even said it. He, says, he said, Jeff, I felt like God saw me. And, and he said to me, you would think that I would feel like I was so far away from God, but like in that moment, in the middle, watch this, in the middle of my darkest moment, in the middle of my sin that I brought on myself, 
I felt God in such a tangible, real way, and I know that God was there, and he saw me in that moment. And he said, that was the moment where the journey, the journey with Jesus began. And when we go back to this story here, you have to understand that God saw Rahab in the middle of her sin. God saw her in the middle of her serving false gods. God saw Rahab in the middle of her life of prostitution that most likely she was forced into. And in the middle of that chaos, in the middle of her sin and debauchery and darkness, the God of the universe sees her and he begins to move on her heart. And what I love about this story is that God doesn't tell Joshua to send the spies there to capture Rahab, to drag her back as a prisoner to the Israelite army and get her all cleaned up before she can present herself to God. No, he goes to her. She has some type of realization, a supernatural moment that isn't, it isn't described in the scriptures, but something happens where she realizes that the God of Israel now sees her. And she says, I want that. God, you have to realize that God sees you where you are. And you need to hear this this morning, whatever darkness you're surrounded by, whatever sin you are in the middle of, God sees you and you are here today because the heart of God has been calling to you. He sees you and he loves you today. That's the first one. Here's the second realization that I believe that we can learn from Rahab and that is realize what God is offering you. So so realize that he sees you, but it goes farther than that. You got to realize what God is offering. How many know that God has something to offer you today? He he is offering something. And and, and let's go to the text here. Joshua chapter 2, verses 12 through 14, and then verses 17 through 18. This is what it says. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death, our lives for for your lives. The men assured her, if you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. Verse 17, now the men had said to her, this oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land, you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you have brought your father and mother, your brothers and all your family into your house. So, now this, you can't climb down this, okay? It's just obviously, but these spies say, hang this scarlet cord this cord that's the same color as blood. And, and, and many theologians 100% believe that that cord represents 
the redemption and the saving blood of Jesus Christ, the symbolism there. Don't, don't you love that, by the way? And, and so, so, so many believe that, but it, it, goes, it goes even deeper than this because those, Jew, those Jewish men that showed up, those spies, they had that red cord because it had such depth. It represented something so great, greater than we could ever wrap our minds around. And really, it goes back to a story uh, in Genesis of, of, of Judah and Tamar's twins. And the story goes that, I don't want to get too graphic, but when the first one was coming out, his hand came out and the midwife actually tied a, 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 a red cord around the wrist of that first twin and, 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 and because it symbolized that he was the first Born. Now, in our Western culture, that doesn't, have a, that doesn't hold a whole lot of meaning, but in that ancient Jewish culture, the firstborn was a big deal because the firstborn of Jewish families, even to this day, they were entitled to a double portion. Are you ready for this? And, 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 so, and so when Rahab throws that red cord out of her window, it was symbolizing and it was communicating to every Jewish soldier who was about to ransack that joint that that window, whoever's in that window because of that cord right there is an heir of our God. No, no, you don't, you don't get it. So, so, so not only, not only are we to spare her life, but now watch this. She is entitled to everything that we are entitled to as Jews. Watch this. It's one thing to be saved. It's one thing to say yes to Jesus. But I want you to know something today. God has so much more for you than just salvation. You see, our God has something to offer you. And what he's offering you is a double portion. What are you talking about? Just are you, are you getting a prosperity? And, no, no, no. I'm talking about the, the God of the universe has so much for you. And now because you are now his, you are entitled to everything that he has planned for you. It's, it's awesome. And this prostitute, this, this, this was her story here. She begins to understand exactly what is being offered to her. You have to realize today what God is offering you. So not only did the Lord go on and save Rahab, save her family from destruction, and because of her obedience, because of her realization of what God had did for her, Rahab, the prostitute Rahab, watch this, goes on to be the great, 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 great grandmother of our Messiah, Jesus. Now think about that for a second. God the Father doesn't choose the PhD, the one that lived a perfect life and has every, all the accolades on the wall. He chooses a Gentile, pagan person who's been selling her body most of her life to go on to be the great grandmother of his one and only son. So good. Come on. 
You talk about a love. You've walked in here and you say, Pastor, you have no idea the kind of life I've lived. You have no idea. God would never, if, if, he, if he'll choose a prostitute, uh, he'll choose you, right? If, if he'll choose a, 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 a person, attempted murder, a gang member, he'll, he'll, I'm telling you, he, will, he chooses you today. Realize what God is offering. And here's the third one as the band comes back, and then we're going to get to party world here in a second. And that is, realize that God is not afraid of your past. You better, you better write that down. God is not afraid of your past. So many of us think that our past, whether it's been 20 years or 20 minutes ago, somehow catches the Lord off guard. It really doesn't. Or, or, or some of you are here today and you think, oh man, now that I've been Say, man, I, I got to hide all that stuff. I, I don't want people to know who I used to be. I, I, I would argue to say, no, 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 you need to share that story because someone else is going through that same thing and, and you have an opportunity, right? My friend in, in the lobby in the first service, he said, I'm so thankful that you told me the rest of the story of Chino. Okay, so let me tell you the rest of the story of Chino, right? I know you're all like, so he, did he do life? You know, um, check this out, it's pretty cool. He's in the cell. This is how God works. I don't think it's coincidence. I think it's God's providence. The cellmate was an older gentleman who was a, it was a Jesus freak. And for the next five months, this brother shares the gospel with my friend Chino and, and begins to disciple him. And, and Chino's like radically, supernaturally saved to the point where he goes on to be like one of the prison pastors, right? Where he's now teaching and, pre and, and loving guys and, and gangsters and criminals and drug dealers and all these, these, these different people are coming to him wanting prayer and confess, all that good stuff. He's been there now for three years because of the court, the courts being backed up and just kind of chaos during that time. And he never really got to stand before a judge. So for three years, here he is, he's preaching Jesus, but in the back of his mind, he's like, I'm going to be here for a long time. Three years into it, his attorney comes to him and he says, you need to sit down. This is, I've got some, some news for you. And he said, the prosecutors came to me and they said, we've reviewed your case. We've interviewed the witnesses. We've interviewed the person that you shot, who, who was a criminal himself. This wasn't like an innocent person. And after a lot of deliberation, three years, you know, we're going to drop your sentence from 90 years to five years. Yeah, pretty cool. <clears throat> and because you've already served three, you see where we're going with this? You're, you're only going to do two. And Sheena looked and said, take it to trial. No, I'm kidding. He said, <laughs> he said, he said, with tears in his eyes, thank you. I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. And Chino said, Pastor, for the next two years, some, it's crazy to say it, some, some of the best years of my whole life because I was like, I knew that I had to finish my assignment here. And he said, I can't tell you how many guys came to the Lord and, and, and just really cool stuff. And, 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 and he got out and, and, I was, and I was thinking about that story, but it, it didn't stop right there. Because on the phone yesterday, he told me, Pastor, on Sunday, 
we just celebrated as a church two years of inception, meaning he came out of that prison and not only just was like, I'm saved and awesome, but he then went on assignment to where two years ago, right outside of Atlanta, he and his beautiful wife and kids and their team, they planted a church. And on, on last Sunday, they celebrated two years as a congregation. And he sent me that picture yesterday. There, there's, there's Chino, the 19-year-old inmate. And on the right, there's Chino on Sunday celebrating everything that Jesus did. I want you to know today... I want you to know today that he's that 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 God knows all about your past. And he's not afraid of your past. And if you'll let him, he'll actually use it. And in fact, I'm even reassured. Go back to the text right here cuz this is so cool. Look at this. Go back to Hebrews 11 verse 31. Put it on the screen, my friend. Look at this. So, so here, here, is, here is Rahab, who's been redeemed, if you will. She's now on the, on the side of the God of Israel. In fact, Scripture says that her and her family and her people, if you will, went on to live amongst the Israel, Israelite tribes. She became one of them. But look what it says. It says, by faith, the great-grandmother of Jesus, Rahab, She, like, wait a second, she, 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 you know, now she's a, but she still has the prostitute title? What is that all about? I would argue that God left that there. The scribes left that there so that a few thousand years later, there would be a group of people sitting in Parkland, Washington that would be able to hear this story and see that and say, I could relate to that. I get that. I believe in that. I believe that God not only wants to save you, but he wants to use you to the point where you can even have who you used to be in the title of whatever you're doing for his glory. JF, ex-sinner JF, broken JF, whatever. What, call me whatever you want. If it, if, it, if it turns people to Jesus, call me whatever you want. And I don't think Rahab had, had much of a problem with that because God had saved her and her family. All across this auditorium, when you bow your heads. Thanks again for joining us. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. For more content and to connect with us, go to cfan.church.